Hi, this is Pastor Keith Joseph coming to you from First Baptist Church of Jackson, Georgia. Welcome to our weekly broadcast. We hope it speaks to you where you are in life. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com. Welcome to our Sunday morning broadcast right here from Jackson First Baptist Church. I hope you jump online and, and tell us you're here today. Share this with other people. We're excited about being together around God's Word. Now, if you're not in our area, we're so thankful that you're joining us for this broadcast, and we hope that this is not your only worship unless you don't have a place to go or you can't get there. And if that is the case, we want to be that church for you. Some folks overseas are watching us as well. Welcome to our friends in the Philippines. Uh, welcome to our friends in Romania. Welcome to our friends in Africa, the folks in the Middle East, uh, wherever you are watching this today. Welcome to this time with us in, on Sunday morning uh, in God's Word. I want to take you to God's Word today. Jump right in. We're in the book of Romans and we're chapter number 8. We're, we're seeking God's answers for the mess that's in this world. I want to ask you this question as you are sitting there drinking either coffee uh, or whatever it is that maybe you're sipping on or maybe you're driving. I want to ask you, how are you feeling today? How, how are you feeling today? You say, well, why do you ask that? Well, here's what I've discovered, that feelings often dictate to us how we live in the day. I, I wrote this down just a few minutes ago. For example, if you are fearful, you may be hiding out or trying to avoid something or you're stressed today. I wrote down that if, if you are frustrated, you possibly could be cranky throughout the day. Uh, if you are fatigued, uh, the devil is trying to get in through the door and, and to, to discourage you. And if you are really operating, as we found out last week in Romans 8, in the flesh, that's your nature without God, uh, sin is not ne only near at the door, it is controlling your life. Now, last week we jumped into Romans chapter 8 and we began to talk about victorious Christian living. Say that with me where you are, victorious Christian living. If you're with someone else right now, say it with them, victorious Christian living. What is victorious Christian living? According to the Apostle Paul, it is living a life of surrender to the Holy Spirit. It is living a life of surrender to the Holy Spirit. Now, Romans chapter 8, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is the most significant chapter in all the Bible for the child of God who wants to live in victory. Over these past many months that we have gone through a world change, and literally it has been and, and still is changing, I've come to appreciate Romans 8 in a deeper way. And, and, and here's why. I've learned in Romans chapter 8 that Christians, I wrote this down, do not grow in their faith in the shallow end of the pool of feelings. We really don't grow in our faith in the shallow end of the pool of feelings. We actually grow, listen to this, in the deep end of the pool of the strong truth of God. It's when we get in the pool of uh, the deep end, we're going to say today, the deep end of our faith that we discover that victorious Christian living happens as we surrender our life to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been since early last year, actually last fall, we've been in the book of Romans, except a couple of series, we've taken a break. And in, in that, we've learned two things. We, in the deep end, we've learned the truths of genuine faith. Faith is in Christ alone through faith alone, in the sufficient work, finished work of Christ on the cross alone. 
we've learned that, but, but we are going to learn, and, and we're starting to learn it now in Romans 8, that genuine faith is lived out in practice. I wrote these things down, and, and I'm sharing them with you and with the congregation. Think about this. No one can keep his or her head above the spiritual waters of life apart from the Spirit. Uh, That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Listen to what he says in verse number 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Now think about this. You can't keep your head above the waters of this life or in particular sin apart from the Holy Spirit. Also this, there's no joy in in the swirling waters of life apart from the spirit here's what the bible says in chapter 8 and verse number 13 he says if you walk in the spirit you will live there's only really true lasting joy when you're walking with god in the deep end of a life of surrender to the holy spirit now here's the third thing i want you to hear that you cannot enjoy true life purpose apart from the spirit You see, it is the Spirit that is given to a person when they are saved, and that Spirit magnifies what Jesus says. And Jesus, listen to me, you were born with a purpose from God, and Satan was against that purpose. And I want you to hear this today. Many of you are not living victorious Christian lives. You're in the shallow end of feelings, and feelings always lead you to being on the side of the road without excitement and energy and eternality in the plan that you have. Well, the Bible is clear. The Spirit of God in Romans chapter 8 sets us free. I want you to think about this for a moment. J.D. Greer put it this way. Through Jesus' death, we are released from the penalty of sin. But listen, let me say this more. In Jesus' resurrection... He imparts life to us through the Holy Spirit, which releases us from the power of sin, and I would add this, into the power of the Spirit. But here's what I discover with many people. We amen the fact that through Jesus we're released from the penalty of sin. But we fail to lean in to a life of surrender to the Holy Spirit so so that we would have power to do God's work. Again, quoting from J.D. Greer, he he quotes a a very strange poem in his message two years ago on this text. And I want to quote to you from the poem. Listen to what it says. I would like three dollars of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough of him to equal a cup of warm milk or a, a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love my political enemies or to open my home to the immigrant. I want want my sinful desires, not a transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in, in a paper sack. Please, I would just like $3 worth of God. Please, I believe that Paul would say this back to whoever wrote that poem. Sorry. We don't sell that here. And I want to tell you, Jackson First Baptist Church, we don't sell this either. In Romans chapter 8, we find that victorious Christian living exists. But the world thinks that it is a delusion because they believe that the only system that works is the world system. Well, I'm here today to tell you this, that Paul is teaching us that victorious Christian living is a life of surrender to God. 
If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. They're open to Romans chapter 8. I, I hope maybe you will have the, our Bible app up, the, our app here at Jackson, the FBC. If you go online, you, you can download our app and follow us. You can, have, you can download the sermon notes uh, as well. You can, you can give online at that time as well. Uh, but I want you to see Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. We read it last week if you're in the house. Here's what it says. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But now listen to what he says in verse 13. But if you by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Listen to me. Paul is saying, join him in the deep end of the pool of faith. The strong truth of the word of God. You say to me today, and I think it's a wise question to ask, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, today, my two simple points that we want to focus on from Paul's teaching is this. There's the necessity of swimming in the deep ends, and there's the, listen to this, there's the assurances when you're in the deep end. There's the necessity, and there's the assurance. Let's look together when Paul writes about the necessity you have. You will never be victorious unless you realize the necessity and do what the necessity demands. Paul again says, brothers, in verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, the scripture says, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now look in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. Now Paul here is pleading with us to get in the deep end of the pool of faith. He says, without it, we're going to die in the shallow end of the pool of feelings. When Paul says you will die if you do not walk in the Spirit, there, there, this, this word die points us to two things. It points us to a time in the future. Hebrews 9.27 says, Once upon unto man to die. We know that someday we are going to die. It is a moment in time when it's going to happen. And if you have rejected Christ, when it comes your time to die, listen to me. It will be that you will be in the fires of the hell of judgment upon you under the wrath of God for your disobedience. But if you come to Christ, when you die, you will really live. So when Paul says die, it's a point of time. But also, it points us to a truth about faith. If the flesh controls your life, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you say, I'm saved, but you haven't surrendered your life, you're living your life like Jacob did. Jacob, that, that patriarch who, when he ran away from home, when he had deceived his brother and his father, for 20 years, if you would have seen his life, he would have looked like a dead man spiritually. And I want, you, I want you to hear this. God came to Jacob after 20 years and said, I want more for your life. And friend, I want to tell you this. God wants more for your life than living in the shallow end of the pool of feelings. I feel this way. This is how I feel. This is, how do you feel about it? What should we do? Friend, listen to me. That does not merit you anything in the tough waters of life. So here's the question. How can I swim in the deep end? Well, the necessity tells us. There are a couple things I've written down here. First of all, it's Paul's teaching. He says this, you must not listen or be led by the flesh. You must not listen or be led by the flesh. When he says, not debtors, literally the text is, you're no longer under obligation. Now, this is what it means in my understanding. I illustrated it similar to this last week, but let me go deeper. When I was born, my stomach said I needed to eat. It was necessity. 
there, there was an obligation that I thought my, my stomach had, and, and then the obligation spread to my, to my mother. So what I would do, because I was of the flesh, I would cry. It's a natural action. It's a healthy action. But when my mother did not come on my time schedule because of my flesh, then I would cry louder. As I grew up, I, I cried about other things. And then as you, as you get older in that, if you do not come to Christ, the dysfunction gets worse. For a young man, he pouts. For a young woman, she withholds things from her husband, and they become people who are totally dysfunctional. You see, in my eyes, before coming to Christ, whatever I saw, I thought it was for me, and there was never a no. If I wanted it, it was always for me. James gives the analogy of how this looks in a person's life. Write down the reference, James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Here's what James says, Let no one say, when I'm tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, for he tempts no one. But listen to this, but each person is tempted when he is lured and intensed by his own desire. That's his sinful nature. His old man. So if you're listening to and being led by the flesh, you cannot lean into this deep end of a life of surrender to God. Think about this. When you entertain the thoughts of the flesh, a seed is planted inside of you. And James says it takes root. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it literally brings forth death. Death is coming to the person who does not turn away from sin. It takes a root in you, and eventually it takes over in you. Many years ago, this came into my mind as I was preparing this message. Many years ago in a church, I, I went to visit somebody on the roll. We were trying to, to update the roll, to be faithful to God and caring for the people on the roll. I visited a man who had not been in our church for 40 years. His wife was still faithful to the church, but he had not been there. As I, as I came to see him, he was very gracious and kind. When I asked him after the conversation turned to the serious matters of God, I asked him the question, why are you no longer coming to church? He said this to me, Pastor, just to be honest, I was hurt deeply in church. Now, friend, 40 years had passed. I, I, I gently probed and asked him, Sir, can, would you be willing to share with me why that, that you uh, left the church for that many uh, time of years or, or why were you hurt? The man said this, and I quote, I was shocked by it. I will never forget it unless I lose my mind. He said this, it's been so long that I just cannot remember it. Now listen to this. The root began to be so strong that he did not even know why, but he was holding on to it because he was listening and being led by the flesh. You see, the devil will always take you toward death. There was a, there was a man in Florida who was a Christian, and, and behind him was a man honking his horn, and it really infuriated the Christian. Uh, they, eventually they came to a place, a, a straight place in the road, and, and the man swung around him in the street and passed him. And as they came up to the next light, the man was extremely upset as a Christian. He said, I, and when they stopped at the light, he said, I'm going to get out and give him my opinion. The wife said, no, don't listen to your flesh. But the man didn't, and he went up to the door, and he, he pounded on the door, and the man in the car rolled down his window and had a gun in his hand and shot and killed him. Friend, listen to me. The desires of the flesh 
will lead you to death. And Paul says you must not listen and you must not, not obey what the flesh has to say. But secondly, Paul says, there's necessity in swimming in the deep end. You must not listen or be led by the flesh. But the text says you must listen and be led by the Spirit. Paul said, if you are led by the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body. I've got good news for you. If you are walking with Christ and surrender to the Holy Spirit's leadership, there's power that you have. You can speak and say no to the enemy inside of you and outside of you. David did that in Psalm 101 and 3 when he says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. He had power in that. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 24, we have power in Christ. The law of the flesh is no longer in control. Now let me take this for a moment and apply it to you of how it can work in your life. John Owen said this, the great leader of a long ago in the church. He said, if you're not killing sin, sin is killing you. If you're not killing sin, sin is is killing you. Let's think about it in these terms. Let's say that you're, you've led a person who is hooked on pornography to Christ. Listen, in that moment, <clears throat> excuse me, when they've come to know Christ, you can know this, the Holy Spirit will do His work. I wrote this down. He will clearly set before you the biblical guidelines of sexuality. He will convict you if you do what's wrong. He will empower you to do what's right. He will give you victory. He'll make the Word of God clear to you. He'll help you understand that. But now think about this. When we find that we must listen and obey the Spirit, the listening part we may get, but the obeying part we miss. The obeying part is this. You have a part to play. Now watch. When you get saved and you surrender to the Holy Spirit, He fills you with the Spirit, and then you take steps. A person struggling with pornography would take these steps. He or she would maybe get rid of the Internet for a period of time. Or maybe you would <coughs> wisely get a filter on your Internet so that those type things could not come through. You would wisely get an accountability partner. You see, many of us think that all that we need to do is to surrender to the Holy Spirit. He does it all. Friend, He does it all, but He does it all through you. And if you don't hold yourself accountable, and if you don't get in the Word, and if you don't put these barriers around you, the Bible says, shun all appearances of evil. That is your part. That may be the key for you right now. Why you've never been able to do it. You, you pray, you go home, you were ashamed of what your past used to be, and you just didn't, you didn't change anything. You just said, God, do it. And God says, I work through you. And so I want to tell you today, if you are not killing sin, Sin will be killing you. You have fresh power in Christ. Boy, that's good, friend. You, you ought to call somebody and tell them, I found the, the secret, I found the necessity of how to do it. There's not only the necessity, think about now the, the amazing blessings of swimming in the deep end. There's the blessings that Paul mentions. If you look in verse 15, he said this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He's saying, you, you do not have to say, I can't do it. Or, no, no, it's too much for me. No, you can do it. Here's the blessings. Think about who, what you are identified as as Christians. He says this, you do not fall back in fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. 
Do you know as a Christian, you've been a, if you've come and been saved and surrendered to God, that you've been adopted into God's family? Now today, it does not look the way that it did in Paul's day. In Paul's day, it was very much a custom of the Roman society and also in Hebrew culture. Paul understood it. I want to I quote from Tim Keller. He said this, Usually adoption occurred when a wealthy adult had no heir for his estate. That was Abraham's problem. He would then adopt someone as an heir. It could be a child, a youth, or an adult. And, he, and at the moment adoption occurred, several things were immediately true of the new son. For example, his old debts, if he had them, and legal obligations were paid. He also got a new name. He was instantly an heir of all the father had. He, he listened to this. Thirdly, his father became instantly liable for all his actions, his debts, his crimes. But fourth, the new son had new obligations. I love, had new obligations to honor and please his father. Old Keller goes on to say, you got to hear this, the image of adoption tells us that our relationship with God is based completely on a legal act by the Father. You don't win a father, and you don't negotiate for a parent, praise God. Adoption is a legal act of the part of the Father. It's very costly, but it's only for Him. There's nothing the Son does to earn the merit or to become a son. It's simply received. So when he says that you're adopted into God's family, he says this, it's your love beyond all measure. So today you can defeat the feelings of the shallow end that I'm alone. The feelings of the shallow end that I don't have any help. Friend, you can come out of your house today and know that you are loved. You don't have to fear to go back into the home. You don't have to stay gone all the time. Well, even if you're bedfast today, you are not alone. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, praise God, you are adopted into the family of God. He says here, Paul, that you are sons of God. Now think about this. This is not a put-down for women because we find the Bible calls us, us the church, the bride of Christ. That's not a put-down for, for, for men. What it is saying here is that legally God has bestowed upon us the position that just like Jesus, we are his sons and daughters. And because of that, I wrote this down, all for our time's sake, I'm wealthy beyond all measure. I'll never lose my salvation, my standing with God. I have a new normal. I don't have to live in fear, but in power and love and of a sound mind. I've come into God's family by new birth into Jesus Christ. And I'm a son of God. Listen to this. I'm also identified as an heir of Christ. Because he's my father, I'm an heir with Jesus. I've come into his inheritance. One pastor said this, what Jesus has, praise God, I have. So when I read about heaven, I have all that he has. When I read about Jesus' work on the earth, I have what he had and what he still has today. You see, friend, Paul is saying that what God has in store for us is grand and glorious. More than what we feel, it's what we will receive. So the necessity of walking in the Spirit the blessings of walking in the Spirit. Think about now what, what, what Christians, what we do. We get to call God Papa. I love that. It's Abba. It is Father. We can come to Him in the fullest assurance that God says, Come to me, all your heavy laden, as your Papa, and I'll give you rest. You see, God is watching over me. God is watching over you today. 
Right as you watch this, God is watching over you today. He says, cry out to me. I'll become your papa. He provides the light to your way. You won't be perfect. I'm not perfect. But you know what I do in the deep end every day with God? I'm swimming in the deep end. If God doesn't show up in my life today, I'm done for. If God does not show up and work in us and move in us today, we, we have no hope. So what I do with the papa is this. I cry out, papa, help. I cry out, Papa, give me wisdom. Papa, carry me. Papa, walk with me. Papa, protect me. That's the right you have in Christ. And so today I want to tell you, you have far more than you think you have. You're never alone. You have the wealth of heaven. You have a position. And oh, my friend, do you not have compassionate, personal relationship with God? Paul tells us here that we call out to him in faith, not fear. We, praise God, are God's adopted sons. So i got to ask you again. I asked you at the beginning, did I not? How are you feeling today? How are you feeling? Really, tell me, be honest with me. How are you feeling today? Are you in the flesh? Are you in the spirit? You see, as you watch this program, either on a local TV station or you're online watching us, whatever it is that you're doing or you're listening to this, this program, I want to tell you this today. God does not intend for you to swim in the shallow end of feelings, but he intends for you to swim in the deep end of strong faith in the truth of God. In verse 16 of this text, it's so rich, Paul writes, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. For the Spirit joins, God's Spirit joins with our spirit, I love this, to affirm or to bear witness that you are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also, listen to this, share in his suffering. This life is not easy. We found this out in this past year. But we don't live by feelings. We live by faith. We don't live by the flesh. We live by the strong fact that God loves us and that in the spirit we can overcome the enemy. With the spirit we can overcome our sin. With the spirit we can win a lost and dying world and live for the very purposes of God in our lives. So I've got to ask you these, these things. One, if you're swimming in the deep end with Christ, you listen to me. I want to tell you this. If this is not a question. It's a point. You will know it. If you're swimming in the deep end right now, you know it. You know that even though that your trials and tribulations, you have this inner peace, you're going to make it. I could, if I could sing, I'd sing that song. We are going to make it. You're not perfect, but you're living out the Word of God. You're saved, you're surrendered, you're spirit-filled, and someday, soon and very soon, you're going to come through this trial that you're facing. Secondly, if you're swimming in the deep end with Christ, I know this, you're looking forward to what's ahead. You're not mourning what's now or what's in the past because God has given you a different perspective. Spurgeon said this, he said, when, and I quote, when the waves of life throw you on the rocky shorelines of life, you land against the rock of ages. It is Christ. It is Christ. It is God the Father and the Holy Spirit. You're looking forward that you're no longer a slave to sin, but you are a son, and if you are a son, you are an heir with God. I tell you this today. If you're swimming in the deep end with Christ, you're closer to him than you realize. 
It's not in the shallow end that you grow. It's not in the shallow end that you cling. It's not in the shallow end that you pray with all your heart. It's in the deep end. And so I tell you, in the deep end, you know it. In the deep end, look forward. In, in the deep end, you're closer to him than you realize. Rejoice, friend, today. Just sit back where you are now or in your drive and just say, God, I praise you, I bless you that I am your child and I know I'm going to make it and today I'm clinging to that and I'm growing in my faith. Now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, some of you, let's be honest, I'm not trying to condemn you, but you're not in the deep end of the pool of faith. You're in the shallow end of feelings. You're hoping you're saved. You, you might be saved. You think that may, I have a connection with God, but you really don't. Today I say this to you. Ask yourself, do you know him? If you don't know him today, I'm going to tell you, it's by faith that you come to know him. That little word, I've, I've learned to use it, and it's blessed my heart beyond measure. I, I'm learning to use it. It's F-A-I-T-H. F stands for forgiveness. God offers you forgiveness. He makes it available to you. God died so that you watch this. I, you instantaneously can be born again into the kingdom of God. That you could be in his kingdom. Say, well, how do I do that? Well, you've got a T, which is turn. You've got to repent of your sins. When you repent of your sins, and listen to me, God says, I'll give you heaven. God says, forgiveness is available. It's instantaneous when you turn, and I'll give you heaven. I'll give you heaven in the hereafter, but I'll give you hope right now. So I'm going to tell you this by faith right now. Cry out to the Lord Jesus. I repent of my sin. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of being against you. Forgive me of my mess. Come into my life. Be Lord and Savior. I receive your payment for my sin. Friend, if you've done that today, you've been gloriously redeemed by Christ, and now you want to tell somebody, reach out to me. Let me know online right now. Just tell me right now. By faith, I've responded to Christ. There'll be someone to reach out to you there. If you're a Christian and you feel all alone today, reach out to me. You can reach out at info at jacksonfbc.com. Hey, listen to me. Walk in the victory of Christ. Walk and grow in God. Until next time, I love you. Thank God for you. We all love you here at Jackson First Baptist Church. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.